president to you. We pray your protection over him wherever he travels and all that he does. Surround him with people with godly wisdom and understanding. Lord, and may he have ears to listen and hear what they're saying. And we just pray for, for a revival to take place across this nation of conservatism, Lord, to, to just sweep across this nation, Lord. We thank you for all those who are running for office, political offices. We ask your, your protection over them. But we pray, Father, that they would seek God in all that they do. And may the decisions that they make for legislating, legislating laws and, and, and initiating laws, may they ask you for wisdom and what you would have them to do in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good way to pray for them. Amen. They need some wisdom. Some of them really do need some. Okay, but the message title today is Our New Identity. I have this, this is part 17 in the series that I started on back in September. I don't know, you know, you could call it a series, but it's just been a, a uh, this is part 17 in a series of messages that I've done on just grace and truth of what the Bible says about issues, certain issues and things. And has it been helpful to any of y'all? Have, have y'all learned some things in this, in the midst of all this today? So we're on part 17. I have one more message next, next week that I, I may stop the series and go into some other subject matter. But I don't know yet what, what God's going to do. Because I thought I was going to finish up last month, but I'm still going. But it's just some things that still pertain to that same subject matter about passionately presenting God's grace and truth. We need to be, we need to be compassionately, we need to be compassion, we need, wait, wait, we need to be compassionate, right? But we also need to be full of passion in what we, in what we share and how we witness to people. We need to care for those people, and we need to present it with passion so that they re- receive it. Amen? And we said last week that the gospel is the power of God that releases the effects of salvation in our lives. Amen? Now, remember, we ended service last week with a wonderful time of repentance and, and recommending, uh, recommitting our lives in spirit, soul, and body to the Lord. We always want to do that. Re- we realize that our bodies are what last week we learned Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? And we are to honor God in spirit, soul, and body. So in order for us to do that, we know that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. But in Christ, we can do all things. Amen. We are all tempted on a daily basis to sin against God, but in Christ... Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. We can walk in victory in this world we live in. We can. You can. When we surrender to Christ, we are no longer who we were. We are new creations. New, we have a new identity now. From that moment that you got saved. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but your spirit was was made perfect inside your spirit, and it was sealed by the Holy Spirit. What that means is that spirit, your spirit is perfect. You're not, but your spirit is. 
Amen? So we're still working on soul and body. I'm still working on that, too. I used to have a six-pack in high school. Now I've got a keg. How many times have you heard that? But there's a new thing out now. Everybody's talking about identity theft. Have y'all heard about identity theft? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people. Have any of y'all ever been stolen from identity? Yeah. Yeah, look at this. It affects all of us. Credit cards. Uh, listen, there are a lot of scammers. Out there, that there's there, and there, here's some things to remember. Here's some things for all of you to remember about these scammers. Number one is never give your personal information like social social security number or credit card number, bank account numbers, driver's license numbers. Don't ever give that to anyone over the phone. If if the IRS or, or Social Security Administration, uh, they they will never call you. You need to realize that, first of all, they will never call you. They will always send you uh, mail, in the mail. Send you, a, unless you're, you know, if you're talking to them and then they call you right back. You're communicating with somebody you know. That may be a different case because I have talked to them before on the phone. But, but they will just never call you and say, uh, you're going to lose this. You're going to lose your, your, your Social Security benefits if you don't do this and you don't do that. They're not going to do that. They're not ever going to do that. I'm telling everybody in this room. I want every church in Luton to tell their people that. And if you can avoid it, never buy merchandise over the phone, really. If you can avoid doing that, just don't do it because it's easy for people to just get your information. Always, and number four, always check with a good friend or family member before giving any personal information to anyone over the phone. If you don't know for sure, call a friend of yours or somebody. They will, they will help you confirm that, no, don't do this, don't do this, okay? So I just want to help you with that. This crime is not new at all. And I, like I said earlier, Satan has been doing this to people since Adam and Eve. And he has deceived many into believing that God's not real and that their lives really don't matter to God at all, which is a lie. And like we said last week, many have chosen to believe the lie and not the truth of God's word. Remember last week's sermon was uh, ex- they exchanged a lie. They exchanged, they exchanged the truth for a lie. And now Satan has been extremely successful with identity theft when it comes to our culture today and how we equate identity with sexuality. Here's what I'm saying. For example, if we're attracted to the opposite sex, we are told that we are, at our core, heterosexual. You got that? And if we are attracted to the same sex, we are told that we are, at our core, homosexual. So naturally, this, be- this becomes our perception of ourselves, and we then view everything in our lives through this grid. But the gospel awakens us to an entirely new grid. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Remember last week we stated that the gospel is the power of God that releases the effects of salvation in our lives. The gospel. It's the truth of God's word. The gospel opens our eyes to the truth that God indeed is right and good. His character is holy. And His word is true And at our core, we have turned against Him. 
Before Christ, in our lives, our identity was sinful. Amen? I, I agree with that. But in Christ, through faith, our identity has changed. In Christ, we have our new identity. Jesus came to endure the penalty of our sin and to take our place as sinners. He came and took our place. Amen. And in doing this, he has offered us a new identity. And do you know what that new identity is? Is It's his identity. It's his identity. We have taken on Christ. We, we sang that song. That's why I purposely put those songs in this morning. We are who he says we are. And in Christ, it, it, we hide ourselves in him. On the cross, he took our identity. And we, we have taken on his identity. He took ours. And we take on his. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's great news. We are no longer separated from God, but now we are united with God in Christ. We've become one with Him, no longer stained by sin, but now clean from sin. Amen. No longer slaves, but now we're free. We're free. And what are we free from? We're free from the bondage of sin. And what it does to people's lives. We are free from that in Christ. In Christ. No longer guilty before God as, a, as judge, but now loved by God as Father. You never, you never had a, a Father that loves you like God does. You might have had a great Father, but you never had one who loves you like our Father God. Never. Amen. Amen. No longer deserving eternal death, never to grasp all that God created us to be. But now, having eternal life, experiencing more and more of all God has created us to be. Amen. That's who we are today. This is why the Apostle Paul Paul said, in recounting his conversion in Galatians 2.20, the Passion Bible says it like this, My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah, and no longer lives. It's dead. You know, people talk about how, oh, Alan, there's no way you could be a preacher. I knew you in high school. Yeah, but that guy's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God he's dead. He stunk. Yeah. Whoo. That's, that's, you know, I think, I really do think it's probably why a lot of local people in Luling don't come to our church. I mean, they've, they've been here as long as I have. Me and Kim have been here in Luling all our lives. So people know how we were in high school. But they don't know the miracles of God. And I, look, I, y'all know, I've, I've been lead pastor now for 20 years. Have I done anything to make y'all think, that guy, he ain't got it. I don't know. Probably some people, they left. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm not who I was in high school. Thank God. Are you? Thank God I'm not, I, I, I praise God I'm not, because there's no telling where I'd be right now. Nope. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives, for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, 
For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Catch this now. Paul is saying here how when you turn to Christ, your entire identity is changed. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. Me and Kim were the king and queen of LHS. And now I serve a king. Amen. I never thought of that. Your identity is no longer as... Listen. Listen to me. Your identity is no longer as a heterosexual or a homosexual or an addict or an adulterer, or a fornicator, or a liar, or a filthy, stinking sinner. That is not your identity any longer. Amen. Amen. You have a new identity. And the Holy Spirit of Christ in you is the one who always reminds you of this new identity. You know, whenever I remember when I was, I got saved at 14, you remember I was telling you? But there were things that I would do as a teenager and I would feel such guilt. I said, no, you know, why did you do that? It was the Holy Spirit in me at the time. He had me. He's not letting me go. He won't let you go. And He kept me all these years because He saw me here today. And But I felt that. I felt that. And you will feel it too. Still to this day. Listen, we're all saved in here. I hope most everybody's saved. But you still do things that you know are sinful. At times, you don't make a practice of it, but there are times when we fail, we stumble. We call it struggling, but it's sin. It's just outright sin. And we do that. We do that. We can do that. You can still be saved and going to heaven and still sin. Do you all all know you can do that? Yes. God's got better. He's got better for us than that. Yes, amen. But we can't. We, it's, he's letting us make our choices in life. But when we do... I, when I do, I hear this voice. That, Alan, that's not who you are. Come on now. Come on now. He won't condemn you. He's just trying to raise you up. He raises us up. He encourages us. This is not who you are. Come here. Come here to my word and read this. And you'll see who you are. That's what he does. Yeah. He wants to lift us up. Amen. He doesn't put us down. He always lifts us up. And the more you have that close, intimate cultivate that relationship with God, the more He'll help you and empower you to say no to temptations and the sinful desires that come. Because they're going to come. The devil's after you. You got saved, he's after you. Sinners, he doesn't doesn't really mess with them. The ones that are just out there blatantly, not saved, he's not after them. He's after Christians. He hates you. He hates you. And he just wants to destroy you. So Paul says, you were, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. You know what justified means? Justified justif- as if I'd never sinned. Yeah. Justified. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles. Could somebody say, yeah? yeah. 
But now you have been purified from sin, made holy, and given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, this is some good preaching today. Yeah, yeah. You're doing real good today, Pastor. Amen. Yes, Pastor, but I'm still struggling with the sins of my past. And that may be true. But your identity has changed today. And Christ in you is delivering you and has delivered you. This will help you. This will help you. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. This is the King James Version of it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. His faith. We live by His faith. Amen. Who loved me and gave Himself for me. Jesus made the way possible. For everyone to be made righteous, not by our doing, but only by His doing. See, we think we gotta do this. We gotta, we gotta have a little more discipline. We gotta discipline ourselves a little more. We gotta do this ourselves. No. We're living by the faith of the Son of God. It's in us. He's in us. The life we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God. You're, you're thinking sometimes, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Well, why don't you let me help you? He says, I can help you. We can do this together. You ever heard him say that to you? Man, he's taught me so many things that I had no knowledge of how to do. And he's taught me how to do things that it's a miracle. It's unbelievable, the things he's, he's taught me. If you just work with him, <laughs> allow him. Give him that place. We Christians are made holy and righteous by the work of the Holy Spirit of God in us. Now, when you got saved, that Spirit's in you, remember? When you got saved, that Spirit was in you. It was sealed. It was sealed. That means the devil can't touch it. Nothing from the outside can touch that Spirit of yours that's perfect anymore, any longer. God's divine power has delivered us. Second Peter 1 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, God has given us everything we need to live a holy life in this world. This is the New Living Translation. Look at this. Verse 3 says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4, And because of His glory and excellence... He has given us great and precious promises. Listen to this. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Carnal desires. We all have those. God's divine power has delivered us. And His divine nature in us enables us or empowers us to live holy. Listen. Honestly, it's hard for us to do it on our own. But in Christ, in Christ, we can do all things. I want to read an incredible testimony. And this is a true story. It's a true story. And I looked it up and I verified it. 
I wanted to be sure of it because it really speaks to our culture today and what's going on in our culture, this lady. Her name is Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. And you can go to her website at, uh, I think, let me, I wrote it down somewhere. Where did I write that? Where did I write that? RosariaButterfield.com. If you want it, if you want it later, I can give it to you. But she was once a feminist scholar who delighted in disparaging the Bible and all who believe it. Stupid, pointless, menacing, she writes. That's what I thought of Christians and their God Jesus, who in paintings looked as powerful as a Breck shampoo commercial model. That's what she said about Jesus. She described herself, she described her life as a leftist lesbian professor in these words. My life was happy, meaningful, and full. My partner and I shared many vital interests, AIDS activism, children's health and literacy, Golden Retriever Rescue, our Unitarian Universalist Church, to name a few. Through the compassion, the compassionate engagement of a pastor who gently responded to a critical editorial she had written in a local newspaper, she saw and heard the gospel. This pastor and his wife showed God's love to her. She started reading the Bible and wrestling with the question, did I really want to understand homosexuality from God's point of view, or did I just want to argue with him? One night she started praying and didn't stop until the morning. She writes, When I looked in the mirror, I looked the same. But when I looked into my heart through the lens of the Bible, I wondered, Am I a lesbian? Or has this all been a case of mistaken identity? If Jesus could split the world asunder... Divide marrow from soul. Could he make my true identity prevail? Who am I? Who will God have me to be? This crisis of faith led her to what she describes as one ordinary day when she came to Christ. In this war of worldviews, she writes, Jesus triumphed. And I was a broken mess. Conversion was a train wreck. I did not want to lose everything that I loved, but the voice of God sang a sanguine love song in the rubble of my world. I weakly believed that if Jesus could conquer death, he could make right my world. There's some very interesting points here in this testimony that I want to bring to our attention. And, you know, she has some others. She's written books and, and some other you can go on. You can go to her website and, and read some of her materials. But there's some points that I want to point out to you here. First was that what what led this woman to her true identity in Christ was the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit through his compassionate this compassionate pastor and his wife, who showed God's love to her. They didn't come to her with judgment and. And hatred, they came to her with love. Just like Jesus did with the woman called it in the act of adultery. He didn't. He's the one that could have stoned her and he, he chose not to. 
And he told her to go. He didn't, he didn't dismiss her sin, but he told her, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And his love and compassion for her set her free. They were, the, the pastors here were, were being faithful in their love and compassion for others as Christ is. And they showed her love, which led her to begin reading the Bible. Maybe you know someone like this. And you want to, you want to see them set free and delivered. Don't, there's those one-year Bibles out there in the bookstore. What if, you, what if you had an opportunity and you sat down to talk to them? And you give them a Bible. And just say, read, read, read what, what God says. Number two, the second point is, as she began reading the truth of God's Word, the Holy Spirit revealed to her her true identity. This, this book tells us who we are. It's, it's like a mirror, Scripture says. It's like a mirror that shows you, you as you read it. It tells you who you are. This gospel call, the third point I'm on, this gospel call is not only crucial uh, in our culture, in a culture that virtually equates identity with sexuality, but it is also critical in our churches to take a stand compassionately and with love to everyone who struggles with their identity. You know, you just hear a lot about it on television and in the news today, people's identity. Is all messed up because they're all identi- identifying themselves sexually. And that's, God never intended for us to do that. And God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. So there may be people that you love, and you should, we all should, that are struggling with their identity. We know, all of us know, I have one in my family. I know. We love them. And we don't want to see them stumbling and, and, and striving all through their lives with the wrong identity. Because that's basically what it is. They, they've chosen to believe a lie. They've exchanged the truth for a lie. Think about this for a moment. For Rosaria Butterfield... The, the call to follow Jesus Christ wasn't an invitation to receive anything she wanted in this world. It was a summons to leave behind everything she had. That's hard. That's probably hard, for, very difficult for some people to give up everything they've had all their lives. So you can find out some more reading her articles. But, but as the church, in our culture, we must make sure not to preach a gospel that merely imagines Christ or portrays Christ as the means to a casual, conservative, comfortable Christian spin on the American dream. And I think, I think a lot of churches have done that. And I've probably said some things in here, too, over the years. And I'm still learning how we need to be more sensitive and we're not going to take a course in sensitivity. <laughs> but we need to take a course in reading the Word. And get into His Word. Because there are people out there still struggling with their identity. And we want to help them. We need to be there for them. 
that kind of that kind of gospel won't work in the gay and lesbian community or anywhere else for that matter. That casual kind of Jesus will fix you. He's got everything for you. We need to really be there for them and help them understand. The gospel is a call for every one of us to die. Die to sin and die to self and to live with unshakable trust in Christ. Choosing choosing to follow His Word. Even when it brings us into clear confrontation with our culture. Because it will. You know, Jesus said, My, I've come to... You know, I brought a sword, and it, and it's a it divides. It divides. The word of God is the sword that divides. The truth of it, and it's not meant to hurt. It's meant to help. But we're not to just sit back and stay quiet while a world around us around us drowns in sin. See, see, our attitude has been, well, you know, if it doesn't bother us, then what does it bother anybody? What's, what's the matter with it? If that's the way they want to live, as long as they're not bothering me, it's okay. But it's not okay if you're a Christian to just let it go. Don't say anything. It's, that's not our place to not say anything. That's not who God called us to be. And the church today... Needs to witness to those people. We can't wait for people to come to us. We must go to them. Just as Christ has come to us in love and humility. It's up to us, the church, to take this good news, the gospel, to this culture we live in. And bring the truth, that freedom, which everyone is searching for. And it's found only in Jesus Christ. What do we say around here? Freedom is not the absence of something in your life, but the presence of someone. His name is Jesus. For these people to truly be set free, they need Jesus first more than anything. And then He'll do the work. We're all a work in progress. Man, I know some things about some of y'all. But God knows everything. Oh, somebody did it. But God knows everything about us all. Everything. He knows everything about us and He still loves us so much. And He, you know, it grieves the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, but it grieves the Holy Spirit to see us turn our backs on what, he's, what He has for us. He's got so much good for you. So much love for you. So much freedom for you. Amen. You know, there's people in prison today that are freer than many of the people out here because they found Christ. Amen. They're still behind bars, but they're free. They're free. God wants all of us to be free. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Did you get something out of this? Amen. We just need to be full of compassion. For these people. No more, no more hatred. No more silly jokes. Amen. We've all been there. We've all had our times. Amen. And, and we need to help these people. God sent us to help them. He didn't call us to make fun of them. 
He called us to have compassion for them. Amen. This woman, and you can look her up. I'll, I'll give you that website. Rosaria, Rosaria Butter. It's just like it's spelled. RosariaButterfield.com. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for what you're doing in your word, through your word. Jesus Christ, the living word of God. As people come to know him, they come to know the love of the Father for themselves. Thank you, Jesus. Help us all to be bold witnesses, to shine wherever you've called us to shine in the areas of darkness in the world we live in. Help us to revive this nation, to come back to God. I pray for a revival of, of kindness, a spirit of generosity to sweep this nation for us to be generous with ourselves, to give of ourselves, to serve you in whatever capacity you have for us. You've called us as beacons of light to shine in a dark world. Lord, we know that we're, we don't go alone. You're always with us. You're always there with us to speak through us by your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, where's my altar team? My altar ministry today?